0: Welcome to the new Arab Voice, our podcast bringing you compelling stories and deep dives from the Middle East, Africa, Asia, and beyond.
1: The crowd became impatient to get started, and they moved toward the Lincoln Memorial before the scheduled hour. They move with good humor, laughter, and song. Few realize that in a sense they are participants in an historical day. It will become part of the American scene that today's gathering is the largest in Washington's history. The men who organized the rally walk with springing steps toward the speaker stand. On the left, Roy Wilkins with A. Philip Randolph. They have fought their fight all of their adult lives. In the van is Martin Luther King, who has been jailed 12 times on racial issues. Authorities were fearful of disorders and there were 5,000 uniformed men on duty. They had little to do but keep dissident groups away from the rally. Arrests in Washington were below normal. Police attribute this to the fact that for the first time in 30 years, you couldn't even buy a beer in Washington. The civil rights marchers needed no stimulants like that. They provided their own with songs that ranged from the sacred to the hillbilly, but with the one recurring theme, the cause. cheers to welcome Martin Luther King to the speaker's podium, a man who stands as a symbol of all they are fighting for. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be, be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream.
0: This is Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s most stirring address to the 200,000 people march in Washington, D.C. on December 31st, 1963. The enormous crowd flooded the Lincoln Memorial to demand the U.S. Congress pass the Civil Rights Bill to end racial inequality. Journalists describe the event as a serious gathering that is tinged with good humor, as if the demonstrators have finally found strength in each other. Martin Luther King Jr., an African-American Christian minister and activist, was the iconic leader of the civil rights movement that fought for his long-oppressed community In the United States. The movement successfully fought to end legal racial segregation against African Americans and won full voting rights for the black community with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This was a full century after slavery was abolished with the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. In 1968, Martin Luther King was assassinated by a white supremacist, becoming an eternal martyr of the fight for racial equality. Almost 60 years later, and a lot remains the same in America, with some victories being reversed under Donald Trump, a populist right-wing president whose base counts no small numbers of white supremacists.
2: It's gotten to a point where black people are just asking not to be killed, and there's police and and the government just saying, but. like It's just gotten ridiculous. We see black bodies being killed and marginalized and tortured every single day and this system is just it just got to stop like this there's no reason that we're in modern day times and and still are have the mentalities rooted in slavery well we've seen for hundreds of years black people and people of color be absolutely abused and killed on the streets and it's just getting worse and worse we've had enough And if they're not going to listen, we're going to scream louder and louder. And we're not going to stop until something is done. We've had enough. This is people who have had enough. It's time to make some changes.
0: The recent death of George Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis has triggered ongoing outrage across the United States, with tens of thousands taking to the streets to protest against racism and police brutality against African Americans. The brutality of this scene caught on camera triggered outrage and civil unrest in 140 American cities. Floyd was a 46-year-old unarmed black man who was killed when a police officer put him in handcuffs, and knelt on his neck for simply using a counterfeit $20 bill. This is the latest in a string of incidents in the United States involving white police officers using violence to subdue and kill unarmed and often innocent African-American men and women. In March, Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old African-American emergency room technician, was brutally shot at least eight times by the police on a drug investigation. They entered her house without identifying themselves, which caused Taylor's boyfriend to take up arms and shoot an officer's leg. The retaliation ended the life of Breonna while she was in bed asleep. And it later turned out that the house that the police were actually looking for was 10 miles from hers. According to research and advocacy group mapping police violence, Black Americans are two and a half times more likely than whites to be killed by the police. Between 2013 and 2019, about a third of more than 1,000 unarmed people who have died as a result of police harm are Black. Shockingly, only 1% of police officers involved in these deaths have been charged with a crime, and even less are convicted. Racially motivated killings have also been perpetrated by ordinary white Americans. In February, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered brutally by two white men as he was just going on a jog in their neighborhood. Arbery's mother said George Floyd's death triggered her to relive the trauma of her son's brutal killing all over again. After being criticized for his initial silence, Donald Trump finally chose to speak out only to attack the protests, as police fired tear gas on mostly peaceful protesters outside the White House.
1: These are acts of domestic
3: terror. The destruction of innocent life and the spilling of innocent blood is an offense to humanity and a crime against God. America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy.
0: He has since threatened to deploy the U.S. military to crack down on protests, triggering alarm and outrage. Trump is known for sanctioning police brutality under his so-called law and order platform. Police unions have endorsed him as their preferred candidate ahead of the U.S. presidential election this year. Former members of his own administration... Including ex-defense chief Jim Mattis, have since accused him of seeking to divide Americans and threatening the U.S. Constitution.
3: Hands up, Don't shoot! Hands up, Don't shoot! Woo!
0: Around the world, many believe the events in America, leader of the free world, are a watershed moment. Some are even calling it an American Spring, an uprising against right-wing populism that has affected the lives of almost everyone around the world.
4: Racism exists here. Uh, I have suffered from it. My, I think every one of my black friends and family has suffered from it. So it is highly and extremely important that we here in Sweden end racism. On
2: parle beaucoup des États-Unis. Ce qui se passe aux États-Unis aujourd'hui fait écho avec la France. Ce qui se passe aux États-Unis a malheureusement mis de la lumière sur ce qui se passe en France.
3: Nosotros estamos con el pueblo de los Estados Unidos. The against Trump, against fascism,
0: Through immediate protests and iconic art, many are expressing unconditional solidarity for oppressed Americans, especially African Americans, while recognizing manifestations of racism within their own communities against black people. Protesters took to the streets in Argentina chanting Black Lives Matter, denounced their own problems of anti black police brutality in the UK and France, and kneeled to the ground in respect in Australia. In New Zealand, residents of Auckland paid respects to George Floyd by performing a haka, the traditional Maori ceremonial dance. Artistic tributes to George Floyd are overtaking the world, making sure his name and those of the other murdered African-Americans will not be forgotten. A painting dedicated to Floyd at the site of his death in Minneapolis incorporates the names of other Black Americans killed by police. One of George's portraits that went viral and was even shared by Michelle Obama was painted by the African-American activist and artist Nicholas Smith, based in Los Angeles, USA.
2: I think sometimes my my sadness and my rage, my anger. When I see one of those videos, it kind of, in a way, it, com- it like drives me to, to the computer to make an art piece. Sometimes it just, you know, it makes me so mad that I don't want to do anything. And I'm just like, I, I'm not going to make anything for this. Like I might, I might process it for a day or two sometimes. And I'm just like, I, eventually I think, you know, I, I have to do something.
0: Nicholas chose to paint from reference from George's selfie that has circled around the internet and decided to put him in a tux. He says he did this to celebrate George's life and to comment on the injustice that happens to black lives every day.
2: I, I feel like the, the, the initial impetus for the whole uh, piece was that video that I, most of us have seen maybe a part of it or all of it. I can not really... Um, couldn't really like get myself to watch the entire full thing, but um that very, very tragic moment where um you know this officer has his knee on on George Floyd's neck and just acted like he didn't care because he doesn't care and um, that whole lack of care for human life is is what you know a lot of my artivism is about is is speaking out and trying to get people to see humanity in so many forms and really getting people to put themselves in other people's shoes so this piece um it was really just a way to pay tribute and to say like this is a life that was lived and lived well until it was cut short and he should still be walking on this earth right now and he's not. It, it's almost like clockwork on an annual basis. In America, there's there's really a 400-year-old issue that's never really addressed by the people who need to address it. And, you know, 400 years ago is when the first um, enslaved people came here or were forcefully brought here. So just wanted to create a tribute to address the fact that, you know, these lives matter. Black lives are important. They matter. And and also to say that these cops who keep doing this should absolutely be held accountable.
0: He says he is faced with a rush of emotions when he hears about another brutal murder of a black man just like himself. It
2: helps me a lot of times, like with the grieving and, you know, it helps me work through things. And it's interesting how people will tell me that it, it's in a way it's therapy for them also to help them process. And it's it's it, it can be really tough, but I just feel like a lot of times to, to be able to express what I'm feeling through my art. A lot, most of the times, if not all the time, it, it helps me. It helps me. Get through the anger and the in the sadness that I might feel.
0: Nicholas has been working with Black Lives Matter, whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy, for a year now. In order to coordinate his efforts with the wider political campaign,
2: if if you if anyone is connected with these groups, um, even just to you know sign up for their newsletter or you know go on the website. They are constantly tracking these stories that you might actually miss if you're you know if you're not connected with them and they they can highlight stories from you know all over really all over the world um but usually specifically in America where there might be a case where somebody has lost their life unjustly or there's just you know a terrible case of oppression or racism and so Hey, they have they have a lot of great resources actually even for for signing up for petitions and other things like that and that for me as an artist it's really fuel because it helps inform me about what's going on.
0: So Nicholas calls himself an artivist because he believes that art can be a form of activism that is essential. To raising awareness to the causes, but also to show the human side of political issues,
2: art is extremely important during these times of, of unrest. I, I feel like we're seeing that it actually does, you know, produce change and a desired like effect, um, depending on what you people towards. Like for the Ahmad piece, I added a, a little caption that said, "You can text." Justice. Text the word justice to this number. And you can actually have an action item right there. So the art will capture people's attention and then it'll draw people to go do something like put your name on this petition or call the DA, call the mayor and have these cops arrested, have these murderers convicted. I feel like that's really what artivism is about: It's to inspire people to make a positive change. I can't describe, I can't put it into words, like how important that is to to have people from all over show their solidarity and even use your artwork to share it with their friends and to say. A lot of people will say, like, I didn't know really how to express how I feel about this, but look at this artwork. Like this is this is how I feel. You know how they say, like, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's, in a way, the art can do that.
0: Nicholas's work on bettering the representation of the Black community isn't new. He's an author and illustrator of the picture books, The Golden Girls of Rio, which was nominated for the NAACP Image Award and featured Simone Biles, the most decorated gymnast of all time, as well as three other African-American athletes on the American team at the Olympics in Brazil. He also illustrated the children's book, My Hair is Poofy and That's Okay?, inspiring children of color to have pride in their features. He has also created activist art paintings and Hollywood movie posters, such as the one for Black Panther, Beale Street, Southside with You, and Dear White People. During our interview, I spot the Black Panther poster hanging behind him on his wall. And when I point it out, he also shows me that right beside it is a letter signed by Barack Obama, naming him a 2016 White House Innovators of Color Fellow.
2: We work so hard to to create images that we often didn't see as we were growing up. Um, I grew up in the eighties. Uh, it's it's been a long journey to even to even get films and books and things with a black face on the cover or poster or like, you know, this was this this film Black Panther was one of the first to have such a large you know, African American cast. Just that that was like a revolutionary thing to have seven black people on the cover of a <laughs> of, of a blockbuster film poster. And it's just like things like that where representation really matters and it really helps to be able to, you know, for these young kids to be able to see themselves. That's why I created my children's book called uh, My Hair Is Poofy and That's Okay for, you know, just it's it's really a story of just in general how to deal with everyone around you with all different types of personalities and and characteristics physically for for those young kids of color who don't you know don't often see themselves as the center character on a children's book that's why I made that and so I just keep getting that message out there keep keep getting you know building that narrative and to show people that for one we're we're really all in this together and it you know if you the more that you really take fear out of the equation people will realize that like oh this person from that grew up different than me and this person from the other side of the world they're really not that much different than I am we're we're really all on the same team
0: To unpack the significance of art and political movements, especially in the African-American community, I called Chika Okeke Agulu, Professor of Art History at Princeton University. So my first kind of question would be a general overview of like, how important do you think art has been um, for the struggle of Black Americans?
3: Well, it's a very long struggle, as you you very well know. It didn't start today um, or yesterday right from the onset of uh, charter slavery and the inhumanities that that system entailed. Black people in the United States have always uh, cried out against that systemic oppression. Uh, And so if you look at what uh, happened during the civil rights movement, art played a substantial role in that, specifically the emergence of what's referred to as the Black Arts Movement uh, during the 1960s, which was the art and cultural arm of the Civil Rights Movement. Out of that movement, you had the Black theater, you also had uh, the Black visual artists uh, that came together uh, in Chicago called uh, the Afri-Cobra uh, group and the Afri-Cobra group did a lot in taking art to the streets. In fact, that was one of their mandates to use art as a platform for community organizing, for a collective articulation of their uh, desires, demands, and expectations from uh, from America. Um, And what has happened in the present moment, which stretches back to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, uh, given the spate of police killings of Black men uh, and women in the United States, uh, that there have been not so much the kind of collective work that you found in the 1960s, but there are, you know, a few artists who have uh, used their works to speak to the, the the present um, moment and and so in in a sense yes art has played a role but we have to also recognize that art is often an elitist enterprise and so the extent to which it can mobilize the the masses I would not think that it compares to, let's say, literature which is more democratic, and more people have access to literature than to art, um, or even music. But having said that art does play um a role, even in the way that we see artists use their works to create uh, images that capture the heat of the moment, the 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 anxieties and the 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 rhetoric, if you will of the moment
0: and that's really interesting to me that you're saying you know art is elitist and museums only really art when it kind of started to become trendy because that's something that's really interesting to me about the discourse of the protests happening right now you know everyone is posting on social media performing these acts of like performative activism rather than being in the streets protesting in real life so how how have you kind of how have you viewed maybe the, the transformation of, of political art through social media? Do you feel like that has changed the way that it's elitism and that has changed the way that protest happens?
3: Two things. Going yeah. out in the streets is no less performative than the kinds of public statements that um, proliferate both print and social media these days from museums, from local governments to uh, public school administrators to banks and uh, multinationals coming out, you know, Nike and, you know, Google, wherever, Amazon coming out to uh, announce their solidarity for the protests out in the streets. These are very performative uh, it, it's all—it's all the the kind of theater of the moment. Everyone now sounds like a revolutionary. Uh, well, let's see what happens in six months, or uh, in ten months, when the the protests in the streets, as they will, die down or out, and whether we don't return to the very same status quo that produced the tragic circumstance in Minneapolis. The question then for me is, President Barack Obama uh, spoke about this yesterday, what happens in the communities, in local governments, in the state legislators, in the federal houses of uh, representatives and so forth, which is where the laws that govern society, the laws that determine what happens to those systems, when the noise uh, dies out. That is the question. Uh, will the art museums um, change their behaviors in terms of their racisms? Of course, the social media has a potential and has demonstrated in parts, uh, if you look at what happened in Egypt uh, during the uprising there, the role that social media played, the role that artists Played During that uh, period, whether it's creating graffiti, creating posters, print and online, uh, those are very important in energizing a movement. Art of a certain kind, uh, mind you, has played uh, an important role. Uh, the kind of art that we see in museums uh, have uh, far less potential for social change, precisely because Art is perhaps the only of the arts that is so ineluctably tied to money. As such, access to it is far less um, likely in access to its political potential. How many of these major individual international artists have actually publicly identified with this present moment? Um, You find musicians, you find actors, film uh, actors and so forth, writers doing this. But how many of our highly respected contemporary artists have done similar kind of engagement with with this present moment? Perhaps they are worried and anxious about their collectors and, and so forth. And who are these collectors? Perhaps the same people that constitute the problem of uh, society today.
0: So how white is the art world?
3: (laughs) Very white. (laughs) The the art world is as white as the gallery walls, both in terms of the bodies that constitute the elite art world. Uh, You only need to look at museum uh, staff to see that as in Elite universities, the black bodies you find there are usually the maintenance staff. There have been extremely slow transformation, but even to call that transformation, I hesitate. And in any society where you have racial diversity, it's the elite of that society that manage the art world.
0: And so that's a, on a systemic level, on a structural level. But how do you think this affects individual African-Americans who look at this art and can't really see themselves in it?
3: When you see yourself excluded in the, in any narrative, how can you identify with it in any positive sense? When you see African Americans, um, because of the experience of the United States, have less than rosy views about what America means. It's simply because they don't see their, not just their bodies, uh, but also their desires and expectations represented in the American imaginary. What is the attitude of African-Americans to going to art museums? When, if they walk in there, what they see are majority overwhelmingly art by white people, people who do not look like them, people who in the past and still in the present constitute their, if you will, oppressors. And so the attitude of someone who, sees represented as the heroes as the ideals of society people who do not look like them how can they then identify with those ideals and this is what then inspired a number of artists african-american artists in the past several years um someone like kehinde wiley to begin doing the kind of work um that he's now very well known for which is to find the black, ordinary Black men in the streets to show them art history books where you have these European elites in the 16th, 17th century and place these ordinary Black men into these pictorial narratives. And his goal was to now create art that featured black subjects, but in the manner of the so-called great high art of the European Renaissance and after. And he's achieved a lot in doing that because those same paintings have now been acquired by museums. And so you can then imagine a young African-American boy or girl going into this same museum I'm finding these fantastic portraits of people who look like them, uh, among other portraits uh, of white people. They will want to come back to such a museum to see more.
0: Whether to highlight the parallels with their own causes or to express pure solidarity with African Americans, artists in the Middle East are also producing tributes to George Floyd. Aziza Smar and Anis Hamdoun are artists from Syria who made a mural of George Floyd set against the worn, torn province of Idlib. The large mural was placed on a destroyed building surrounded by the rubble that has become a common sight in Syrian cities during the nine-year-long brutal war, which started with protests demanding justice and democratic rights. George's portrait is surrounded by text reading I can't breathe and no to racism.
4: At the time of war, it's a lot of uncertainty. Like you would be sitting and you would only like, like your body is so present and it's so alarmed that you are waiting for the next uh, bombing to hit you and to come to your house.
0: This is Malak Matar. She's from the Gaza Strip and only 20 years old. And she's already a world-renowned artist and activist.
4: Then I decided that I'm not going to let this overwhelming feeling like hits me that bad. And I'm going to do anything to distract my self. So once in like a science class, my teacher like awarded me with um, watercolor. I just liked how it looked and I just kept it there for a year or two. Then I just remember that I painted my first drawing and I just felt like I need to do this no matter what. And I was not as concerned about how much time I have left or will I be the next target or not because I felt like really art in a way, healed me and made me feel better. It's It was actually a therapy for me, and it's still, still a therapy till now.
0: She says that she started painting as a young child due to the chaos that is the reality of growing up in Palestine. This led her to have her first solo exhibition at 15 in the Gaza Strip. Now, she
4: too has painted a portrait of George Floyd. When I used to live in the Gaza Strip, I was like... I felt like my artwork was a diary. Like, in a, like, I would talk about my life through my artwork. Because when I lived in Gaza, we only had four hours of electricity, like an average. So I was painting about it. Like, I was painting about the feelings of anger, that, like, why? And one painting was like, what if I can have the moon in my room so it can lighten up and I can paint? And I felt like, artwork was a refuge for me to express all the feelings that I had no one to appreciate or to listen to. I painted about how it is to be a woman in in, in the Gaza strip and what is the art scene like in the Gaza which is like not very active and I painted about like all aspects of being Palestinian like not being able to travel freely. So I talked about my life being there and I talked about my life as a refugee and I talked about people who've been murdered by the occupation. Like I talked about everything through my artwork.
0: Malek's portrait has been widely shared on social media. The painting shows a relaxed George surrounded by pink, red and yellow flowers with a heart rate line going flat, which underlines Black Lives Matter in white. The first comment under the portrait of George thanks Malak for her solidarity, using the hashtag Black and Palestinian Solidarity. Malak grew up and lived in Gaza until she was 17 years old and is now based in Istanbul. She tells me how art can change the perceptions of people and that that is why it is so important for her to create the portrait of George.
4: For me, it has changed my world as well, because you can only change the world when it, it begins from your own self. I try my best to change how people think of Palestinians Um, and showing that we Palestinians are human beings. We are not as the media shows us. We are terrorists and we are only one killing. I just try to show that me as a human being, what I need, and what my goals are, and what my dreams are, and the dreams of other Palestinian kids, of playing, of having a safe place to be in, to have proper education, to have water. And I could tell that I really was able to create an audience that many of them were really against us. Like, I received a lot of messages when I started posting online. And people were telling me, like, Malak, like, you have changed how we thought of you and how we thought of your people. So for me, like, having to change someone's idea that they have adopted for years, because I did something that really represented me and represented my people, it's a big achievement.
0: I asked her if posting her portraits on social media is a political act and she said there's no option of being political when you're an artist, especially in Palestine. The murder by Israeli police of Yad Hallak in Jerusalem, shortly after the death of George Floyd in Minnesota, illustrates the struggles of Palestinians every day. The 32-year-old man with severe autism was chased by Israeli border police forces and fatally shot as he cowered next to a garbage bin after apparently being mistaken for an attacker. He was just a few meters away from his beloved Elwin al Kud school, where he donated his time to serve food to his classmates.
4: I just believe like when I posted, I saw like most of people I follow are using the hashtags. Also, Palestinian artists also contributed with their artwork and with their hashtags and writings and solidarity. So I believe like we in, in social media are like chains. Like we all influence each other. We see somebody did something, we also like do it in different way. For me, like I don't believe that as a Palestinian artist, I can put polit- like politics on a box and neglect it, because it's really, even in the air we breathe, it's, polit- it's politics because it's like all seized. I believe like art is very political. The movement, like the Black Lives Matter, it is political movement. And for us standing for justice and standing for equality and for humanity, for people, it's also political, like everything around us is political. If art really does not influence politics, then why art gets censured in galleries and in social media? And I have like pieces of my artwork that was censured by Facebook why because it is actually political and it's influencing because people can read it people can agree on my statements and thus like it's at the end it's political take banksy for for example he's a very political artist although his paintings can be like really viewed as a very simple but it's very very political so i believe it has a lot of influence
0: Across the Middle East, people are expressing support for the family of George Floyd. But the killing has triggered some soul-searching as well. On social media, Arabs are denouncing anti-black racism rife within their own communities, where Arabs with darker skin or migrant workers and refugees who come from sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia face systemic and individual encounters with severe discrimination and racism. To many activists concerned with racial equality, the events in the US are serving to highlight the need for justice and equality at home before denouncing the systems of faraway America. It is clear that the simple message of the u.s protests is strongly resonating in all corners of the globe. Black lives matter
1: Black lives matter. 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 Black lives matter.
0: Thank you for listening to The New Arab Voice. This episode was produced by myself, Gaia Karamazza.